when was Yeshua born? So when was Biblical Christmas? So we're going to uh, move forward and we're going to go through a, a, a study about this. So what does the Bible say? It says a lot uh, about when Yeshua was born, but you gotta search for it. Does this guy work? All right, so when was Yeshua born? Let's go through this in, in, in detail. Um, so in Luke, we start with uh, Zechariah or Zacharias, uh, father of John the Baptist, Yochanan, the immerser. And it says that in the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abiyah, or Abijah, if you want to say it in English. So, and continues, now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God, in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. The angel said to him, your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. So let me just, uh, just quickly go over these things. So he was a priest. So Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, was a priest. He was in whatever the division, he was in the division of Abiyah, whatever that means. He was performing his priestly service. So he was doing his thing in the tabernacle, in the temple, right? When he was supposed to, in the appointed order of his division, which is the division of Abiyah. You with me? According to the custom, okay. So he was in the, he was in the temple performing his priestly function at the time he was supposed to, which is according to the division of Abiyah. So move forward. So when the days of his priestly service ended, he went home. After these <coughs> days, uh, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant. So he performed the service. He left the service. He went home. She became pregnant. So does that give us a hint? into when uh, she did become pregnant, which is, would give us certainly a hint of when John the Baptist was born. Moving forward, so what is this division of Abiyah, which is when he was in the, uh, the temple doing his thing? So if we go back to 1 Chronicles 24, it says that the divisions of the descendants of Aaron, those are the priests, were these. They were divided by lot, for they were officers in the sanctuaries, meaning they worked in the temple, and officers of God, officers of God. Now the first lot came to Jehoiarid, the second to Jediah, the third to Harim, the fourth to Seorim, the fifth to, I can't even read it, the sixth to Mean, the seventh to Hakoz, and if you can't read that, it says the eighth for Abiyah. And then it keeps going, and let me just paraphrase what's happening here. So there was a whole bunch of priests. This is when the children of Israel were in Babylon, they came back from Babylon, there are a whole lot of descendants of Aaron, the priest, Right? So which is going to be the priest to serve in the temple? So what they set up um, at the time was that um, they're going to take 24 priests, sons of Aaron, and each one is going to serve for a bit of time. And they cast by lots who is going to serve for a certain period of time. The eighth lot fell to Abiyah. Okay? Now go back. If you, if you can go back, back. So, 
Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, he was in the division of Abiah. Okay? So go forward. Abiah was in the eighth division. All right? So what does that mean? <coughs> we can go forward. So it says according to the priestly custom as well. So we need to go back into Jewish uh, tradition to find out some more about this. So what happened was, and you can just go through, list them all. Is that the last one? Yep. Okay. So this is the way it was. So you had 24 priests. Each served for one week time, starting on Nisan 1, which is the beginning of the Jewish year. So the first week of Nisan, that was the first division. Then came the second division. Then came the third division. Each one served a week until you got to 24. Then they repeated. Okay? Does that make sense? So the only um, caveat to that is when there was a pilgrimage festival, okay, which is uh, Passover, Shavuot, which is Pentecost, and Sukkot, uh, which are the times, according to Torah, that all the men had to come and they had to uh, gather in Jerusalem. Okay, So during those three festivals, everybody came to Israel, wherever they were, and they celebrated for these. So during those times, all the priests served in, in the temple at that time. But if it wasn't one of those holidays, it went according to the divisions one week at a time. So moving forward. So Abiyah was in the eighth division. So let's find out when Abiyah served in the temple, which is when Zechariah, John's father, served in the temple. So week one is uh, Nisan. That's the first month of the biblical year. So Nisan 1 to 8 is the first week. So there's division one. Nisan 8 to 15 is division two. Then we have Passover, so they all served then. Then comes, after Passover, this week, last week of Nisan, that's Division 3. Then Division 4, the first week of the second month. Division 5, Division 6, Division 7. Then came Shavuot, everybody served. And then Division 8, which is when Abiyah served, or John the Baptist's father. Okay, so he served in Sivan is the name of the third month. So between Sivan eight and fifteen is when John the Baptist's father, who is in Abiyah's division, served. So that is the second week of the third month. Okay, kind of mid-month, third month. So that's when John the Baptist's father was in the temple, and he got the call from Gabriel that he's going to have a son, and he got a name of John. Okay? Then he left. Keep going. Oh, I'm sorry. Go backwards. I'm sorry. So it says in the scripture that he served his division. He went home. Okay? So he served that week, went home, and then his wife Elizabeth became pregnant. All right? So if this was like the 8th to the 15th, he left office on the 15th, and then he went home, you know, give him a week or two to get home, situate. And then his wife became pregnant. So sort of at the end of the third month, we can say that is when Elizabeth became pregnant, the conception of John the Baptist. Okay? Keep going. So, right. So when the days of his priestly service were ended, he went home. After these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant. Okay. So then she most likely became pregnant in late third month. 
Okay, here we go. Moving forward. So the conception of Yeshua. Is it the conception of Mary or the conception of Yeshua? How do you use the term? I'm not even sure. Is it conception of Yeshua? Mary was conceived the conception of Yeshua, right? Okay, here we go. So an angel answered and said to her, this is from Luke, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mom, also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. Okay? For nothing is impossible with God. So, Mary, Miriam, was told that she's going to get pregnant, and probably got pregnant through the Holy Spirit, while Elizabeth was in the sixth month of her pregnancy. Okay? So we already figured out through Scripture that she became pregnant at the end of the third month of the year. Okay? So add six months to it, fourth end of the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth. End of the ninth month is this time. We can move forward. If Elizabeth became pregnant at the end of the third month, then Miriam, Yeshua's mom, conceived at the end of the ninth month. Okay? What happens, keep going, at the end of the ninth month? Hanukkah. Okay? That's this month, the ninth month. So it's very conceivable, no pun intended, <laughs> that Miriam conceived during Hanukkah, the Festival of Lights. If she conceived then, which is, we're in the ninth month right now. So if she conceived then, then you count, if you don't see it, hold on, 10 months. Why are we counting 10 months of pregnancy, biblical months of pregnancy, and not nine months? Because the months that we're used to here in America in the Gregorian calendar, 30, 31 day months, the biblical calendar is lunar, and that's like 28 days. Okay, it's pretty much exactly 28, sometimes 28 and a half, 29 days of a month. So each month is a shorter month. The biblical pregnancy is actually 10 months. Am I losing you? Nope. Yeah. <laughs> so 10 biblical months, 10 biblical, 10 four-week periods. Okay, a, a, a pregnancy is about 40 weeks. 40 weeks, okay? Each biblical month is four weeks. 10 times four is four, so 10 months, okay? So, all right, Mark's the only one nodding his head. Uh, so if we count from the ninth month and we count 10 biblical months, we have the, we start at the ninth month, 10th, 11th, 12th. First, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. You get to the end of the seventh month. What happens at the end of the seventh month? Sukkot. The Feast of Tabernacles. Okay? So Yeshua, the one who came to tabernacle with us, was born at the Feast of Tabernacles. But you just have to delve into Scripture deeply to find that out. More proof texts that he was born on Sukkot. Very famous verse from Luke, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and laid him in a manger because there was no room at the inn. Why was there no room at the inn? Is there a hint because of that? If you go back, it says that, like we spoke about, three times a year, all males should appear before the Lord, Passover, Shavuot, and Sukkot. So those three holidays, everybody came to Israel. So if you were a Jew or somebody that believed in 
God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, during those three holidays, everybody came. They could have lived anywhere. They could have lived maybe in Rome or in Greece or in those areas maybe that Paul wrote the, the, the letters to the churches. Wherever they are, wherever they were, three times a year they came. So Sukkot was one of those holidays where everybody came. So that can give insight into that there was no room at the inn. Okay? And the final one, and this one puts the nail in it for me. So a manger, okay? It says that he was born in a manger. So what is a manger? I've never heard the term manger until coming to the Lord and seeing it in the scriptures. And everywhere in the New Testament, it's a stable, right, for animals, right? And it's got nothing to do with the sukkah, which we build on the Feast of Tabernacles, which is where we kind of hang out and dwell and eat and fellowship during Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. But is it a sukkah? Was he born in a sukkah? Or was he born in a stable, a manger, a stable for animals? Okay? And he was clearly born in a stable because it says in every other place in the New Testament, everywhere that Greek word for manger is used, it's clearly a stable. But from, where, from our understanding, a sukkah is not a stable. However, the first usage in the Bible, in Hebrew, of the word sukkah, the Hebrew word sukkah, is in Genesis 33. We're going to catch up to that soon in the Torah readings. Jacob journeyed to Sukkot and built for himself a house and made booths, Sukkot, for his livestock. Therefore, he named the place Sukkot. So the first usage of Sukkot, or Sukkah, is actually used as a place for animals. So in its raw sense, the first time it is used, it is a Sukkah is a manger. It's a stable for animals. So this put it over the edge to me that Yeshua was clearly born on Sukkot. So Merry Christmas. <laughs> so what does that have to do with um, this week's Torah portion? And I hope that was interesting for one or two of you. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> did somebody say very, very confused? Me. <laughs> Me too. So in this week's Torah portion, and remember, we are in the ninth month now. As Val said, we just had Rosh Chodesh, which is the beginning of the biblical month. And every time the month transitions to a new month, Scripture uh, commands us to, to have a gathering. So we gathered at the beginning of the month, the beginning of the ninth month, which was just a few days ago, um, Thursday night. Yes, Thursday night. And we transitioned into the ninth month of the biblical calendar. So we are now in the month of Yeshua's conception. But this is the conception of Yeshua. It is not the birth of Yeshua. And I want to say that the body of Messiah has lost the distinction between the conception of Yeshua and the birth of Yeshua. There's going to be a time when the birth and the conception, the conception and the birth are going to be right next to each other. It says one place in the prophets that like the, 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 the sower is going to overtake the reaper. 
right? So which means that like there's going to be a time in the future in the, in the kingdom when we're going to so, we're going to plant plants, plant seed, and it's going to come up and we're going to reap, and then we're going to plant and it's going to come up, and we're going to reap, and God's going to quicken that cycle. But in the time that we're in, there is a there is a, a, a obviously a, a time that we have to wait between the conception and the birth. And we've lost, many of us have lost the understanding of when Adonai in us is conceiving something versus when he is birthing something. Okay? Let me let me explain a little farther. Somebody has a word for you. A prophetic word for you. You are going to be this. You're going to have a ministry. You're going to move here. You're going to teach this. You're going to go here. A word for you. Many times that we, we, we listen to that and we believe it in our hearts and we can believe it in our hearts, but we receive it as the birth of something when very often it is the conception of something. Which means that our role at that time is to wait. Many people will receive like a word over themselves and then begin to execute it prematurely and you wind up having like a stillbirth. And I'm sorry to use that expression. Because we are, we are taking the word and we are birthing it before the time came. But we must in this hour let the seeds that are planted within us grow. And then birth in the Lord's timing. Or else we're delivering unsafe births, premature births. So may Adonai clarify your understanding, clarify your understanding of when something is being birthed and when something is just conceived. Now mind you, if the Lord is telling you to move, you've got to move. When the Lord says move, don't wait. The Lord says do now, go do. And how many of us have been in situations where the Lord says, I need you to call that person now. Or I need you to go to that person. Or I need you to go to that person on the street and give them money now. <coughs> right? And when he says now, do it now. That is a birth moment. Yeah. But many times the Lord tells us something, but it is not a birth moment. It is a conception moment. But we think it is a birth moment because we're just used to kind of doing and we receive something like, okay, I got it. And we go and execute it, but it is not the time to execute it. And when it fails, Adonai is going to have to start the process all over again. And he's very patient. He will start the process again, even if it's through somebody else, because his will will be done. Whether it's through you or whether it's through your kids or whether it's through somebody else, his will will be done. But the waiting is the hardest part. And Adonai wants us to grow in our waiting on him so the seed can mature within us. And when the birth comes, it is a healthy birth. And know that when something is conceived inside of you, what happened in this Torah portion happens with us all the time. 
the son of the promise, the promise is birthed within us. Right next to the promise is the son of the flesh. And they wrestle it out in the womb. Even Yeshua said the wheat and the tares, they are allowed to grow together. And the, the, the son of the flesh comes out first. Esau came out first. And it was, it was a battle for, it was a battle for who is going to be the firstborn of my dad Isaac. Because the firstborn is always the one that gets the blessing. So there's a battle going on in the womb for who's going to be the firstborn. And they're duking it out. I spoke here a year ago where like, like poor Rebecca went to her obstetrician and was like, Doc, I think I have a problem. And, she, and the doctor said, well, what it is, she lifted up her cloak, and all of a sudden, out of her belly, you saw, boom! <laughs> and then, like, Esau's face, blah! You know, because they were wrestling in the womb. And then a knee, whoosh! And then the doctor said, yeah, I think you've got a problem. There are two nations in there. There are two nations in there. And we deal with that. Yeshua is conceived within us. The son of the promise is conceived in us. The promise is conceived in us. Right next to it, the twin, battling it out. Who's going to come out? Who's going to come out? Who's going to come out first? Who's going to come out? Who's going to come out? The battle wages within us. But we are sons and daughters of the promise. So know when that Esau, the fleshly guy, the hairy fleshly guy, is seeking to come out. Recognize it because we are sons and daughters of the promise. And we, as a body, we act so much according to the flesh. Our Esau side is, our Esau side is so loud and hungry. Give me those lentils. Ha! That's what he does. He's, he's just he's starving to death all the time, and he doesn't care about spiritual things. This is why Esau said, I don't care about this firstborn thing. Just give me some food. Jacob was spiritual. He was the son of the promise. And he knew there was something about this firstborn thing that he didn't get to get. Oh, he tried in the womb, believe me. Esau came out and he lunged and he grabbed his, grabbed his heel. Too late. The son of the flesh comes out first. But don't worry, that's the way it always is. That's why we are born of our parents and then we are born again of spirit. The flesh comes out first. But then comes the spirit, the quiet one, Jacob, who's quiet and dwells in tents. He is the son of the promise. So know when it's Esau that's, that's, that's raising up his hungry voice. Because we are sons of the promise. We are sons of the promise. And that promise will be made because God keeps his promises. Even if he's got a... Do it in some crazy way like Jacob did. He's like, all right, I'll give you some food. You give me your firstborn status, I'll give you my food. And then the flesh doesn't care. Like, all I want is food. I don't care. You can have it. Sucker. <laughs> Our 
operate according to the son of the promise, not the son of the flesh, who's waging war with the son of the promise within you. So many times we wage war in the flesh. So many times we wage war based on the understanding we've received from our earthly parents and not from our heavenly father. Do you understand that our earthly parents will speak into our DNA one way, but our heavenly father speaks into our DNA another way? We must, we must learn to listen to our heavenly father and not to the, to the way we were formed in the natural. Because these are two things, but we operate so much according to Esau, according to the flesh. We operate according to opinions and not fact. You walk in here in Mishkan, you say hi to somebody, hey, person walks right past you. Doesn't pay you any mind. That's a fact. It happened, you can't deny it. But then the earthly, the flesh starts to, that person ignored me. Wow. <laughs> Maybe that person doesn't like me. These are not things of the kingdom. You just, the simple definition between fact and opinion. We operate so much on opinion. The person walked past you, fact, that person really must hate me. Opinion, not fact. But we operate based on opinion and not fact. We operate based on Esau, the fleshly one, and not the son of the promise. All right, what is this? What are we looking at here? Are you sure? That's true. What about what's inside the sukkah? What, what are we looking at? What are we looking at? Tell me. What's in the manger? Who else? Hey. Mary. Okay, who else? Joseph. Star. You sure? No, it's like, uh, those are like kings. What if I told you that these are two Tyrannosaurus Rex fighting an epic battle over a circular table saw? Does anybody see the two Tyrannosaurus Rex fighting an epic battle over a circular table saw? <laughs> Who doesn't see it? Look closer. Because I'm telling you, this is not a manger scene. It's two Tyrannosaurus Rex fighting an epic battle over a circular table saw. Who doesn't see it? I see it. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you. This is the head of a Tyrannosaurus. Got it? Here's another one. That dinosaur. You got it? Circular table saw. Who's right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. How much time does the body of Messiah arguing with people just because they have a different perspective on something? 
And they are not wrong. It's just a different perspective. And Esau gets offended. How dare you not say that that's a manger scene? I don't know what you're talking about. I, don't, I just don't get what you're saying. It's, it's two Tyrannosaurus Rex having a deadly battle over a table saw. I'm going to unfriend you on Facebook. You're destroying my peace. Unfollow. Unfriend. Energy wasted. Because there are two opinions, and you, you're holding on to an opinion unwilling to see just another perspective. There is one truth that we need to take hold of. In the beginning, the Lord made heavens and the earth. And in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was made flesh. And he loved the world, and he gave his life. Those are facts. Everything else is debatable. And the body of Messiah expends so much energy fighting battles of opinions and not heavenly facts. The battles of Esau and not the victory of the Son of Promise. We fight the battles of Esau and we don't win the victory of the sons of the promise. So on this month of Yeshua's conception, let the seed that was planted in you mature and don't birth prematurely. And may we all, me included first and foremost, I keep telling you, I just preach to myself. I don't preach to any of you. Act according to the son of the promise, not according to that twin, hairy son of the flesh. That son of a flesh. <coughs> That's waging war. Because the son of the promise has the victory. The son of the promise has the victory. This is why Jacob didn't come out first but he wound up being the son of the promise in the end. See, people think that Jacob actually like usurped the blessing. The blessing was always Jacob's. It was always Jacob's. If it wasn't always Jacob's, the Lord wouldn't have allowed it. It would have been the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. It was always Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And maybe the battle in the womb was Esau just trying to do this thing so he can be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. And Jacob was just taking back what was rightfully his. Yeshua, the son of the promise, wins the battle all the time. And he is the seed within us that is looking to mature. And so let him mature within us. And let us operate according to the son of the promise, not according to the son of the flesh who just wants to have another meal and give it all up to protect an opinion. 